0: Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. Anybody familiar with the term life hacks? It's popular, right? Some life hacks aren't really life hacks at all, but they claim to be. But the the idea of a life hack is basically it's something, it's it's a new way to do something old in a more efficient or quicker, just easier way right? And it's not like they invent something to do it. They just use ordinary things in life to make something easier for us. And I was thinking about just the God's Word and how many times I know myself personally, I like to make things harder than they need to be. My relationship with Jesus over the years has been harder than it needed to be. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's possible to make it harder than it needs to be. And you can work too much, overthink things too much in our pursuit of something so profound yet so simple, we complicate it. Because it's hard enough as it is to understand some of this stuff. In fact, some of it's impossible to understand. So I was thinking, man, it'd be great if I had some faith hacks. God, can you show me some faith hacks? And today we're going to look at one faith hack, and I hope you can kind of take this thought and maybe run it through your time with God this year. And today I want to focus on the faith hack, how to resist. Anybody resist the devil in here? You resist sin, resist temptation. Anybody in in your pursuit of resistance find yourself at the end of yourself, exhausted and tired, wondering, when will this ever end? And the thought in our mind is, well, when I die, and I'm... I would agree with that, but I also know this, that it's possible to resist in such a way that it's not beneficial for you or for the goal that you're pursuing. Let's read some scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, and the message says this. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. We should all abruptly break into prayer from time to time. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to the ordinary people. So there's a way that's concealed. But Jesus is revealing a faith hack here right now. He said, yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly, the Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does nor the father the way the son. But I am not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Anyone willing to listen to Jesus this morning. Verse 28. This sounds like a a commercial for something here. Are you tired? (laughs) Worn out? Burned out on religion? And it sounds like he's selling something, but the truth of the matter is this. He's reading the temperature in that room. And let me tell you, the people he was talking to, it was colder there than it is right now. Because he knew that what he was saying was true for the people listening. They were tired they were worn out, and they were being burnt out on religion. Not relationship, religion. The very thing that was being upheld to give them rest, to give them strength, to give them hope and power was the very thing sucking the life from them. But he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And here's his faith hack, here's his response. Come to me. All right, I'm done. (laughs) Father, thank you for your word. God, will you reveal to us, even as you said in your word, that it wouldn't be concealed, but you will spell it out clearly for us. How to take your word and not let it weigh us down. But that it would give life and rest and peace. And I pray that after today, those who have struggled resisting the things of this world, Would resist like they never had before. Effortlessly trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How to resist. You know, the beginning of the year is often the hardest working time of the year, isn't it? I mean, how many of y'all took a second and realized man, it's it's February? (laughs) We're in the middle of February, y'all. Where did January go? But we start the year off, it's a fresh slate. It's a new start. It's a clean, you know, a clean uh, uh, opportunity to start new. And we have a list of New Year's resolutions. How you doing with yours, by the way? And and the the laughing and the, some of y'all looking real quiet right now because you know where I'm going with this. But the beginning of the year is the time in which gyms sell the most memberships. For those of you who work out regularly, You don't like the beginning of the year, do you? Because every treadmill, every elliptical, every free weight, everything is taken up, though. There's a line to the water fountain. Because everyone tries to go to the gym and work real hard. But you know in a few weeks, they won't be there. Whole Foods sells more groceries in the beginning of the year. People trying to eat clean and healthy. McDonald's sells less. No, McDonald's sells the same amount. (laughs) So we eat right, and and we try to work out, you know, uh, consistently-ish. Some of us even have spiritual goals. Anybody attempted to read your Bible in one year? Yeah. (laughs) Been there, done that, didn't do that. I'm going to read the Bible in one year, and then a month in, you're like, I got to read 30 days in two days to get caught up. <laughs> Genesis is the most, most read book in the Bible because it's the way we started in January. But very few people Exodus out of the book of Exodus. And if you make it to Leviticus, good for you. Good for you. There's treasure in there for you waiting. You just got to go find it. But why do all these things fade over time? They just kind of coast away. There's a reason why there are popular New Year's resolutions. It's because we don't hold our resolve all year long just to start it again. That's a natural human thing, isn't it? And that's just, those are just New Year's resolutions. What about in our walk with Jesus? Sometimes you hear a sermon, a message. You go to a conference, you hear a worship song, you read a devotional, someone prays for you. You, 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 you have a, a near-death near experience in a car or on the bus or the metro. Somebody robs you at gunpoint. You lose a loved one. You get, you, you get diagnosed with, with a, 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 an illness. And all that I just said are sobering moments that we come to in our, in our walk, with, in our pursuit of Jesus time and time again. Where you come to a moment and you say, I can't keep living the way I'm living. And you get a wake-up call. That's called conviction. And if you're like me, you get that wake-up call and you're like, okay, God, I'm going to stop doing this, this, and this Today. I'm going to draw the line in the sand. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to do all I got to do, set up all my safeguards. I'm going to tell all my friends. And you start to put things in place, and you repent, only to find yourself doing the same thing three times later that same day, or that week, or that month. Depending on how long you can hold out resisting, it's hard, isn't it? Because the natural urge is sin is just fulfilling illegitimate needs. Or sin is fulfilling legitimate needs illegitimately. Uh, uh. So your desire to sin, there is a legitimate way to fulfill some of those needs. It's when you go outside and try to fulfill it other ways, that's when it becomes sin. And we so you're fighting against the way God wired you, the way that He's made human mankind, men and women, and we fight these urges and we get tired, don't we? And we struggle. I don't know about you, but for years i repented for the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And if that's you, don't give up. Please don't give up. But I know this is true for me, and I believe this is true for most of us, is this is that when you are still repenting for the same things that you repented for last year and last decade, you almost feel like you get worse than you were when you first started. And so now you're trying to follow Jesus, but you're like, man, my life feels harder. Because at least before God, I didn't feel bad about what I did. Yeah. And it breaks my heart when people get to that point and they either A, begin to question God's word. God, is your word really true? Because it just ain't, it ain't working for me. Or worse, you take it to the next step and you say, man, God's word and his truth is working for everyone else but me. There must be something wrong with me. And we walk around blaming ourselves, thinking that there's something wrong with us. Don't give up. I know there's a genuine desire to do what is right, but no matter how hard you resist, you seem to find yourself back in the same place. And when it, comes to, when it comes to resisting the devil, temptation, I don't think the failure is due to a lack of effort most of the time. May I submit that it's probably due to, the, to too much effort. You're working too hard. When there's a faith hack that says you're, you're doing it in a way that's harder than it needs to be. Let me show you another way. And the three ways that I want to point out here for the faith hack of how to resist is this. Receive, renew, and rejoice. Then resist. See, we like to start with resist first, don't we? Resist the devil. Let's go. And you 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 duke's up. You ready. Let's fight. But I believe there's something that happens before you resist, that if you miss it, you will resist in vain, and you will fail again and again and again and again. And shame, guilt, and hopelessness will creep into you. And if you allow those things to creep into your soul, and yet you're still pursuing God and coming to church and reading your Bible, then you become like the people Jesus was talking to you, where you're burned out by religion, aren't you? Because you're trying to work for something, and you're fighting for something that it's a, it's a good fight, but you're not going about it the right way. Yeah. So you got to receive. Say receive. receive. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, it says this. Verse 43 through 45. When an, impure, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. Say unoccupied. Unoccupied. Swept clean and put in order. Some of you will be glad with that. I just need my house swept clean and in order. (laughs) Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse. Than the first. It's so good to clean house, isn't it? To get all the junk out. But that's 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 only the starting point of the battle in your soul. The house that Jesus is talking to is you. You're the temple. And we go to equip, and you go to hopefully you will go to equip and go to Freedom Weekend. And I know some of y'all on here, well, I don't believe in demons and evil spirits. Well, there's a Holy Spirit and there's a spirit in us. And if those are spirits and you believe in spirits. And if you believe in those spirits, just know this, that there are unclean spirits in this world. There are unclean things in, your, in our families. Curses, attitudes, addictions. Those are spirits, y'all. And this is what Jesus is talking to. And we, we you can get it out. We can pray for you right now and they will leave. But if you leave yourself unoccupied, it will come back worse. So some of y'all are afraid, oh, I don't want to get rid of the stuff I know. <laughs> but you could come to Freedom Weekend and get delivered. It's such a freeing, great thing. Some of y'all can get delivered during the message, during worship, and you just feel lighter. You guys know what I'm saying? When you come to a presence of God, and you're just like, man, I feel different. That's you being swept and cleaned up. But if you walk out of here unoccupied on Sunday afternoon, whatever freedom you had, somebody else coming back to your house, and they're not going to knock on the door. They're going to come and live there. And in my life, for years, I thought I had to resist temptation so that I could be in good standing with God so that I could receive something from God. And I was wrong on two levels. One, spiritual error. The spiritual error in that is this, is that theologically I'm in good standing with God because of what he did on the cross for me. And I received him as Lord and Savior. If I could resist the devil in temptation, there would be no need for Jesus to die on the cross. But he died on the cross because I couldn't. And then number two, the only way that I can resist the devil is if I have something deposited inside of me from God to resist in the first place. Because if I couldn't resist the devil before I gave my life to Jesus, what made me think that I could resist the devil in my own strength after I received Jesus? So many Christians are are, are saved, going to heaven, good, but walking around on earth uh, unoccupied. But I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, that's good. And you're clean and swept clean, but are you filled with the presence of God? Are you pursuing that? Because we need to be occupied and filled with the very presence of God. If all you do is resist but remain unoccupied, it won't work. There's no alarm, no parental setting, no accountability partner, nothing that can stop the devil from coming back stronger. The only way to keep the enemy out is by letting God in. We will use a case study. Fear. You don't get rid of fear by saying, I'm not afraid. In the same way, you don't get rid of a cold by saying, I'm not sick. You can say it all you want, but you're sick. Some of y'all shouldn't be here right now. Getting other people sick. I'm glad you're here, though. Sort of. All right. <laughs> but you can't will yourself to not fear, to not be afraid. You can will yourself to do something in spite of fear, but that's not the same as having fear eradicated from you. Well, I was afraid to go on that roller coaster, and I did it, so therefore I have no fear. Wrong. Wrong. You still did it in spite of fear, which is a good thing. It's a scary thing, but it's a good thing. But how do you deal with fear? Fear has to be driven out of you. Yeah. Some of you all thinking, wait, so I can get rid of fear? Yeah, you can. It is possible if you believe in the word of God. In 1 John 4, 18, says this, perfect love drives out fear. So it's not just you saying, fear, get out. Because if you do that, that spirit of fear, guess what? It will leave. But what happens if you don't occupy yourself or receive something from God? That fear is coming back stronger, isn't it? And the next time you're going to have to yell even louder, fear, get out. Why am I always dealing with fear? Maybe you should receive something that will drive it out, perfect love. You guys seen the science experience? My daughter's into these, and we haven't tried this particular one yet, but you ever see a two-liter bottle of soda and you put some Mentos in there? It explodes. It shoots out. It drives out. It's forced out fast. It erupts quickly. It's violent looking. And it's a beautiful thing to watch in slow motion. I wanted to illustrate that to you guys here today, especially with the pastors out of the country. But there's no food and drinks allowed in here. And we're recording, so. But it's like dropping that mentos into your soul. You can pour the soda out, you can squeeze the soda out, you can go, 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 and it comes out slowly. But there's an easier way. If you allow God to, if you receive something from God where he drops something into your soul, it'll drive the things that you've been trying to push out easier and faster than you ever had before. Because the focus isn't on pushing it out. The focus is on what are you receiving in that moment. So when you, before you resist... Are you thinking about where you're resisting from and what you're receiving? The second one, renew. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Your strength is renewed after you wait for the Lord. You basically become a superhero. They said you don't get tired. Some of y'all think, is that even possible? When you wait on the Lord, the things that used to tire you out, the things that used to call you down, those ringtones that used to come at you and you had to <laughs> ignore the call, it's different. There's something different. How much energy do we spend on resisting temptation? See, if the focus of our energy doesn't start with resisting, where does it start? It should start with getting close to God and receiving the supernatural strength that you're going to need to never stop resisting. Every time I ever stop resisting the devil in my life is because I was tired and I had nothing left in me to resist. I've been resisting all month. I'm about to pop off on somebody today. <laughs> you just come to the end of yourself. And it's, it's you know, when you're in public... It's like, well, they might know I'm a pastor. Okay, so I can hold it together a little bit. But when I'm by myself or when I'm at home, man, my poor wife has received some of the, the end of my strength. And I had to go back and repent to her and then repent to God. I'm sorry I was impatient. I'm sorry I was rude. I'm sorry I was this, the end of myself. Don't spend your time doing the thing that's going to make you tired. Spend your time pursuing the one who's going to give you strength that's everlasting. Some of us spend so much energy trying to resist and to change ourselves, but if we would just redirect that, that passion, that little bit of energy that you have, and devote it to getting close to Jesus, saying, I know I'm messed up. I know I'm jacked up. I know I feel like I don't belong here, but he died on the cross so that I could get close to him. And say, God, I ruined myself this week, today, this morning, just now. But I can't let that stop me from getting into your presence. And I don't want to wait to clean myself and then say, hey, God, here I am. I'm your servant. Send me. I'll go. But can you come to God in your most depraved moment? When you did the thing that was unthinkable, the thing that you feel embarrassed even thinking about right now, that's when God says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you're tired and weary, come to me. I will give you the strength that you don't have on your own. And the third one is rejoice. This is the hardest one. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is one of the worst kept secrets in the Bible that challenges, struggles, temptations, etc., can and ultimately will be used by God to help you grow, to refine yourself, to let yourself see what yourself really is. And for years I struggled with this. This scripture is one of my favorite scriptures to wrestle with. And it's not the part that when you face many trials of all different kinds and knowing that the testing of my faith produces perseverance, I feel like I get that part. What I don't understand is what he started with. Count it all joy. Was there, a, how about look back, was there supposed to be a question mark here? <laughs> and I think about James as he's writing this. I'm like, what did James have inside of him? What did he experience inside of him that allowed him to pin this thing? And I know the Holy Spirit was inspiring him. So I've come to my own personal, probably inaccurate conclusion. It's simply this. Is as James was inspired by God to write this, he was like, man, it's a tough word, God. Count it all joy. Man, <laughs> people are going to struggle with this one. But I believe James had a faith hack. He figured something out that I still am trying to grasp. And it's this. The verse starts off with joy. And it starts off with joy but ends with something that doesn't seem to go with joy. Because the third one here is rejoice, right? It's receive, renew, And then rejoice? How do we rejoice? I always kind of thought it was the weak thing to just stand there while you're surrounded by trials and attacks. And then just sit there and let it just hit you. It says don't get out of it prematurely. Let it, what does it say? It says let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. What it's basically saying is this, is if someone's giving you a haircut, sit still till they're done. Try to move it next time you get a haircut because you feel uncomfortable. Just wait. And I thought it was the weak thing because I'm telling you right now, someone's coming at me. Like if someone started running down this aisle right now, I'm not running away. I'm I'm getting in my fighting stance. Like, what's up? I might try to come meet you up there on your ground that's just my you know i mean and so i'm ready to fight and so the thought of being surrounded by trials and sitting still to let it finish its work in me sounds weak i know punk god i read some of the old testament i know what y'all did back then You want me to sit here and get stoned or flogged or whatever it is and people cussing me out and making fun of me? You want me to just sit here and take it? It's weak. But that's the way I used to think. Because real strength, real strength, the strongest thing you can do in the middle of a trial is sit there and Rejoice. Rambo couldn't do that, Terminator, any, think of any superhero, any movie character, any strong man, the strongest thing to do is to not just stand there. And that was my problem is why I just stand in there? And God's like, I'm not asking you to just stand there, count it all joy. This is one of those things that you have to practice before you can actually do it. Don't wait to understand it before you do it, just being honest. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes. See, we're talking about resisting and getting tired in the resisting because we're ultimately going in our own strength. But when you receive something from God, he renews your strength and then you rejoice before you resist. Why? Because you know this, as I, the more I rejoice, the stronger I get in the Lord and he strengthens me in that moment. It's like the harder the world presses in on me, the stronger I'm gonna get. Let me show you this video. You see what I mean. Strike it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. not that's hard, genius! You told me to strike it. You didn't say how hard. And write it to my lap and you just keep things around. Well, maybe you should eh? make it a little stronger. Hey. Wait a minute. The nanites absorb the kinetic energy and hold it in place for redistribution. Very nice. Strike it again in the same spot. You're recording? For research purposes. need that footage. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that movie, but it's a little-known movie. (laughs) But I love love what what she says. She says the nanites absorb the kinetic energy and then they hold it in place for redistribution. The harder the suit gets hit, the stronger the suit gets. And so when you fight with this kind of suit, it's like, listen, this is what God has given you all in this room. Is that we're not meant to duck and dodge hits and attacks that are coming at us. Because when you realize that the harder you get hit, the stronger you get, you might mess around and go look to get hit somewhere. And I'm not suggesting that, but at the very least, rejoice. Boom, thank you, boom, thank you, boom. Thank you, Oh that hurt. Thank you. Oh that, that's messed up. Thank you. And I'm not denying the pain and the hurt that comes from the world, from people that is real, and I'm not saying don't ignore that and suppress those feelings. But what I'm saying is this is, God will not waste any hurt that happens to you or anyone in this world. And you can actually rejoice in that moment. And people look at you, why are you rejoicing? Because I had a moment. We should all have that T'Challa moment. Ah, wait a minute. He saw something that wasn't there before. Because his old suit, you come at him, he's ducking and dodging. Now he realizes, oh, wait a minute. You're saying that if something hits me, it's not wasted pain. It's not wasted hurt. It's not wasted confusion. It's not wasted brokenheartedness. It's not wasted anything that God is, is storing it up, waiting to redistribute it, yeah. Yeah. waiting for it to be re, re, just, just shot back out with power. Yeah. Could you imagine if you resist the devil like that? See, resisting is not about our own strength and saying, I'm going to do this till I die, God. I'm just going to fall on my sword. But no, the faith hack receive, renew, rejoice, then resist. You do that, I believe we'll resist like you never have before. Anybody encouraged to resist the devil this week? Um, Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovdc.org.